Hey everyone, welcome to episode 315 of F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen with your host, Matt Payne. On today's episode, I had a fantastic time speaking with one of my favorite UK photographers who comes highly recommended by her peers, Lizzie Shepard. Lizzie is a very accomplished landscape and nature photographer who seems to have a knack for creating personal work that stands out. We talk all about her journey and her approach to making images, so I hope you enjoy our chat. This week's episode is brought to you by Nature Photographers Network. NPN is still my favorite hangout for nature photography. It is a community of like-minded photographers ranging in experience levels from beginner all the way to full-time professional. It is a very inviting and welcoming place for photographers of all levels. My favorite aspect of NPN is looking at all of the great work that is being submitted there and then learning from everyone's honest and thoughtful critiques of images. Even if you don't submit your own work for critique, you can gain valuable insight by reading those critiques. For just $49 per year, you can join the community on NPN and gain access to the critique forums, as well as other amazing benefits, including fantastic articles, webinars, discounted tutorials, discounts on software, books, and a lot more. It's a great place and I'd love to see you there. Just head over to npn.link forward slash fstop to join. Use the code fstop10 for a 10% discount. That's npn.link forward slash fstop. Okay, let's get to this week's episode with Lizzie Shepard. All right, Lizzie Shepard, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you, it's great to be here. Yeah, I feel like you've been recommended for the podcast like at least five or six times. I think the yep. first person to recommend you was maybe Anna Morgan way back. So, All right, well, that's lovely to, lovely to hear. Yeah, you have quite a following. Well, I, I, I don't know, but 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 a few a few of them anyway. So it's nice if they uh, if they speak up for me. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Well, and I have to say too, I I really like your work as well. In fact, Alex and Tim and I were thinking about having you become a judge for the competition we run, but we noticed that you had a workshop like that would conflict with our dates. So, but oh, maybe right. next, oh, well, maybe next time. Very, yeah, that's very flattering. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Well, so for people that aren't familiar with you and your photography, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, okay. Well, I'm, I'm based in um, Yorkshire in the UK, been there for about 20, nearly 25 years now, actually. Um, I'm a full-time photographer, um, primarily landscape. Um, I'm married and um, live at home with my husband, um, a dog, and four alpacas. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> who uh, can be quite entertaining. And yeah, I've been, I've been doing it full-time, I guess. It must be over 10 years now. I kind of lose track a bit, but, but quite a while. Yeah. Four al- four alpacas. Do yeah. You ever, do you ever take them out on trekking expeditions? We used to. T- we haven't. Time is such an issue. We don't sort of ever haven't done it recently. But we did used to take them out in the village a bit. Um, huh. And you get uh, you get folk kind of reversing down the road and whatever. <laughs> in fact, one of them's been in our local church. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. They had a kind of pets service thing. <laughs> Um, but, uh, sure he reared like... up. He reared up on his hind legs, which was a bit awkward. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's kind of like the stealing the show a little bit. Yeah, a bit too much. Yeah. And, and you said you've been doing full-time photography for almost 10 years now. So, I think it might be over 10 more. years now. Yeah. Yeah, so um, how did... How, what did you do before that, and what did that transition look like? Well, I was kind of doing it, it part-time a bit before that, but, I mean, originally I was sort of in uh, kind of uh, sort of internet industry, new media, as it was originally called, doing kind of account management-y sort of role. And I just uh, sort of... Well, I, I actually wanted to be a photographer when I left university, and I worked for one or two um, commercial photographers in Edinburgh, and for various reasons I didn't pursue it then. Um, but I kind of came back to it eventually. So, yeah, yeah. yeah well, it's. I'm. I'm guessing, if it's anything like over here, uh, pursuing photography full time takes a lot of things to fall into place in order to make it work. Yeah, I mean, the irony is it probably would have if I'd had the the kind of dedication or whatever was required, you know, or or now or whatever to do it back then. Probably w- was easier then, but. Right. Um, <laughs> But uh, that said, I think, you know, when I started getting into it more seriously again, it, it's, it was easier then than it probably is now. I mean, now it's just, oh, gosh, I dread to think. I'm, uh, particularly if, like me, you don't kind of do video and all that sort of stuff. Right, you have um, to have, like, a massive YouTube following and, like, a yeah, giant, giant yeah. mailing list. and Yeah, <laughs> and I'm hoping I've sort of, you know, I've kind of got beyond that stage where that it doesn't matter that I don't, but um, I guess time will tell. Well, no, it's interesting, right? Because I feel like some people are able to get over kind of this imaginary hurdle where you have just enough kind of true fans that follow you and enjoy your work and want to take workshops and things like that, where you don't have to necessarily focus as heavily on the marketing side of things because you've kind of built it up over a long period of time. And I'm, it seems like just based on the little bit I know about you, it seems like that's kind of where you're at. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, I, you know, I'm I'm very well aware though that things can can change very quickly, um, right. and I do I do sometimes have little spells where I am doing you know not doing photography. So I guess I'm, although I say full time, you know, like last year I had a few months because we were doing some work on the house where I just other than keeping things ticking, I wasn't really um, doing a lot of photography, but. Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully that's the case. I think also because, you know, I think if I'm I'm kind of, I do, I've got, I guess, quite a, an, my eggs in quite a lot of baskets, if you like. So I haven't done oh, yeah. anything recently, but I used to do a bit of commercial work and, um, mm. you know, I do do a bit of writing, a bit of this, a bit of that. So I think, I think with photography, you've either got to, to kind of diversify quite a lot, which is probably what I do, or you've got to be, you know, absolutely niche. Um, but I think being absolutely niche is probably something that only very few people can actually succeed at doing yes um so it's yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i know the whole you said eggs in a lot of baskets the the, the analogy i like to use is i have a lot of irons in the fire <laughs> yeah that's 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 another one for it yeah absolutely yeah. which is definitely where i'm at i mean it's like writing books you know speaking engagements podcast video you know, competition. I mean, it's like, (laughs) you're just like eating and breathing photography. (laughs) Yeah. And doing a full-time job on top of it. Yeah, well, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, you've got that as well. So, yeah, hats off. Uh, I don't know how you manage it. Yeah, sometimes I wonder, uh, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, so getting back on court track here, um, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into nature photography specifically? Yeah, well, I guess, I mean, I've always loved nature. I mean, as a child, I would, you know, I used to collect things avidly, sort of, you know, mm. stones and fossils and probably birds' eggs. I know I would know better than to do that now. But, you know, back 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 in those days, I think we weren't as well aware of all these things. And uh, we always used to go off on uh, holidays to sort of quite wild places, camping in Scotland in the rain and, and stuff like that. Um, so I guess I've always just been used to being outdoors and lovely scenery and always that my parents you know both um, love nature as do you know all of my family really and yeah I got a camera quite young and I used to take seriously awful photos <laughs> judging by my albums from from then but um as I got older I think I just I don't know I always found myself framing things in my mind anyway and uh, I've just always enjoyed I guess trying to to fit things into a little rectangle and um even when I kind of moved moved away from doing photography as much as I did after university say um you know I'd always take my camera obviously on holidays and so on so it just became a way of um you know documenting places that I went to and in my earlier days I used to photograph people a bit but now no never <laughs> um, you know I mean okay maybe just of the wee the odd wee snap here and there but um I just yeah I just I don't at all it's funny um sort of completely kind of changed around i mean a long time ago now but uh yeah, it is they move and talk too much yeah that there is that as well um <laughs> but uh yeah I, I i mean i don't you know i do say photograph urban scenes and things as like that as well so it's not just nature but that's i guess mm -hmm. where my main love is yeah no it's funny as you're talking about when you're a kid collecting rocks and fossils like that was exactly how i was too i remember I remember going on a camping trip with my parents when I was like five, yeah, five years old. And I remember we were climbing a mountain and I remember we got to the top of the mountain and my, all of my pockets were full of rocks, <laughs> right? And like my parents were like, wow, you carried all those rocks all the way up here? Are you serious? And like, of course, by the time we got all the way down, I got rid of them all. But uh, it's funny like how kids have this fascination for things like that. Yeah, I mean, I, still, I used to spend hours um, looking for shells on the beach and I mean I still if I get the chance I still do now actually yeah. oh, I love fun. it yeah yeah <laughs> that's awesome well it sounds like we have a lot in common in terms of how we got got into photography because that's exactly what you described is exactly what happened to me as well <laughs> yeah okay interesting yeah so so you recently got back from a cross-country skiing trip in Norway which I have never done anything even remotely close to that. Have you not? Can you, you should. I know. I, I know. I know. I know. Can you can you tell us what it was like? Yeah. Well, brilliant. Um, we've we've been quite a few times now. Um, uh, sometimes to other places, but mostly to um, Rondana National Park in Norway. And it's the scenery is just stunning, which is kind of the prime motivation, if you like. Mm. Um, and the skiing's obviously good exercise because it's all you know, self-propelled, no lifts or anything. Well, actually, there are. There's a couple of lifts there, but they don't actually work. But um, but no, you, it's just, uh, you know, you just head off wherever you like, really. And it's great because, uh, generally speaking, if it's if it's a bit clear, we go a bit higher, so we've got really great views of the mountains. And if it's sort of really snowy or, um, you know, visibility is bad, you know, we might ski through the woods and stuff. And it's, it's just the most stunning scenery, and it's just Oof. unbelievably peaceful, um, but also very hard work. And I have to say... 
I did feel it. I felt more than a year older than when I last did it this time. It was. Uh, <laughs> I got a few slight niggly injuries, which probably didn't help. But um, it is. It's it's good exercise, but it is. It's just so rewarding, and it's also great because. Um, you know, you're just on these sort of skinny skis just attached at the foot. So you can actually, you don't need to go downhill very fast to feel quite sort of uh, excited or anxious or whatever you might be. So you can get yeah. your thrills very cheaply. I remember the last time I went cross-country skiing was probably 20 years ago. And I spent most of my time on my ass. Right, I yeah. fell down so much. <laughs> yeah, well, the first time we went to, to Rondana, actually, um, it was later in the year, it was Easter, which is, A, it's very busy because a lot of the Norwegians go skiing at Easter, and B, it was really combination of kind of sunny and then really cold, so it was either really nasty slush or really icy, and we were both black and blue. We didn't really, we'd hardly done any then. Um, I did fall over a few times this time, but the snow was a bit... A bit softer. Part of the problem is, of course, I can't help myself looking around, looking for photos, and right. that's really not conducive to getting a good rhythm for your skiing. So, so you're you're far more likely to lose your balance because you're not totally concentrating on what you're doing. Yeah, and so are you are you bringing full kit with you with a tripod and everything? No, I did used to sometimes take a tripod, but actually I came to the conclusion the chances of my actually using it were so slight. I didn't even take one at all this time. So. Mm. Um, I just sometimes I've taken a long lens as well this time because I was sort of feeling a bit whacked. I just took the uh, my camera with the uh, 24 to 105. So I've got, you know, mm -hmm. most things covered. Um, mm -hmm. It is tricky, though, as well, because obviously with the snow being bright, you're wearing sunglasses. And I made the mistake of getting my prescription sunglasses this time um, polarized, which was really stupid. I don't know why I didn't think of that. But it it just makes it that bit harder to with an electronic viewfinder. Um, you know, to see everything so I do did there's a couple of shots I did miss where you know I just because I couldn't see as well and I mean ideally I'd take those glasses off put my other ones back on and right. blah 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 but uh, you know it, it is a meant to be a skiing holiday my husband is very patient but you know I have to kind of <laughs> not 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 try it too hard <laughs> uh, so you have that problem too yeah every time I do any sort of hiking um, with my family it's like, they get really frustrated with me very fast. In fact, I just did a trip down to Phoenix to do, well, it was for mostly for to watch baseball, but I wanted to go for, like, half a day to the, there's a desert botanical garden there with all kinds of cactus. Oh, I've been there. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, I've never been there before. It's brilliant, yeah. And Long time ago. I, I, like, spent probably, like, two hours in this very small section and because I, I didn't, I just started walking through and my family's like, okay, we're done. And I'm like, what? <laughs> they're like, yeah, you have to go all the way over here and you've missed all this stuff. And they're like, we're ready to go. And I'm like, seriously, come on. Like, I want to photograph this place. <laughs> so I had to leave early. which is kind uh, of No, I, I, it's a long, long time ago I was there, but um, 99, I think. But uh, it, I remember it was gorgeous. Um, but yeah, no, he, he is actually pretty patient, to be fair. Um, and he also likes kind of, you know, you know, looking at stuff, you know, if, if there's a bird or whatever. So it, it's it's not too bad in terms, but, you know, you don't want to push your luck too far. Oh, yeah. No, they were like, go do your own thing. And I was like, great, I'll do that. And then I just didn't have enough time. They're like, well, you can come back tomorrow. I'm like, it's like a 40-minute drive. I don't want to come back again tomorrow. <laughs> it's my own fault, but... All right. Uh, well, so yeah. shifting gears a little bit, um, why is Scotland one of your favorite places to photograph? 
Um, well, I guess as much as anything, just because it, it, I mean, it's, it's one, one of the most beautiful, beautiful places in the world, much of Scotland f- for me, um, but it's just got such a lovely combination of elements, you know, with the mountain, the, the lochs, um, some wonderful woodland in areas, um, you know, some amazing seaside locations, incredible beaches, sea stacks, cliffs, you know, I mean, it's kind of got everything really. Uh, the one thing that it has that I really do hate, but I try not to visit there at that time of year, are the midges, of course. Oh, of um, course. <laughs> yeah, which are a bloody nightmare. <laughs> but um, other than that, um, it is, and I guess, you know, it's, I, I know we used to, I think I mentioned earlier, you know, we used to go there on holiday a bit, um, you know, when I was little. And then I lived in Edinburgh for about 20 years or so. So oh, wow, maybe okay. not quite that long, maybe it's 50. I don't know, anyhow, for for a good while. Um, so we used to go walking um, a lot in the highlands at weekends and stuff um, and go camping wherever and so on and used to climb up a few mountains scrambling anyway sort of not I'm not climbing climbing but um, so it's just a part of the world I love and I guess it, it has got that sort of I mean probably not compared to what you have in the states but it has got that sort of element of wildness that that perhaps you 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 don't guess as much in other parts of the UK or not right. not to the same extent. Right, right, right. A little bit more expansive too, and you can. There's a, a lot of diversity, and I, I'm wondering though, how how have you seen Scotland change since you first started photographing it? Um, well, in all honesty, when I when I used to do all, when we lived in Edinburgh and I did all my walking stuff there, that was when I, my sort of photography was more just kind of on holidays. And I did have my camera with me a bit, but not, you know, what I was doing with it is nothing like I would do now. So mm-hmm. I, I guess the differences I would see are, are as much as anything to do with kind of visitors and so on. So like, you know, we used to go walking in Glencoe a lot because it was quite achievable from Edinburgh. And, you know, that was before photography was sort of, what it is well now in terms of you know location sharing and people all flocking to places so you know you didn't really see that many people there not like you do now anyway definitely um you know i'm sure yeah i think still now it's the case that if you walk if you're prepared to walk far enough you know you will find solitude obviously but but i don't remember seeing anything like the the number of visitors that that you do now um yeah, that's very similar to my experience here in Colorado. I mean, about an hour from me is a very now well-known location called Ice Lake Basin um, that back in 2013 when I first went the, for the first time, I think I was like on a Saturday in August, I think I saw two other people for the whole weekend, which is amazing. And it's like wow. high, it's high alpine. It's a, like the basin's at... It's at about 11,500 feet, something like that. And then it's surrounded by like 13,000 foot peaks and, you know, like wildflowers everywhere and turquoise lakes. I mean, it's beautiful. And then Instagram happened and now it's like there's probably 700 to 1,000 people a day up there. Gosh. Wow. It's, wow. It's that's crazy. Completely transformed. And yeah. It, and it all started, um, I can kind of trace it back to this one person who shared a video that went viral back really? in like 2015, 2016. Gosh. It just exploded. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think you know, tourism bodies can also make a difference because, I mean, you, you, you may or may not know that there was a big push a few years, quite a few years ago now, I guess, for, for the Isle of Skye. Um, and that has you know become almost more popular than it can cope with. Um, and mm. I mean, I 
first time I went to Sky, I think, was uh, June 1989. And um, I remember we just, my, my husband, he wasn't my husband then, but we, two of us walked up um, to the old man of store. Uh, I haven't been back up since, actually. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was just us there, nobody else there. And then, by way of comparison, a couple of years ago on my way to Harris, I drove past and it was a kind of mid-morning on a Monday and... I think late March or something and it there were just loads of cars there and I just thought wow this is you know it's it's not even sort of you know summertime which is obviously going to be when it's it, it tends to be most busy in terms of you know general tourists not photographers specifically um, mm -hmm. but I just I just thought wow that's just bizarre and I think yeah. it's it's just got more and more and I mean the danger is obviously these places get get more footfall than they can cope with but uh Right. I don't really know what yeah. the answer is. Yeah, I don't. I wish I knew, because um, I would do it. But you know, the and it's interesting. Like when you talk to photographers who you know, maybe have only been doing it for the past, I don't know, ten to like five to ten years, and nothing before that, they typically don't have a reference point to see, like, to compare it against, like, between what it used to be like at a lot of places and what it's like now. Because a yeah. lot of people are like, what's the big deal? It's like, that's how it is. It's like, no, you don't understand. It's not how it always has been. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, things change, and we, ex you know, obviously we all have to accept that, but they need to change in a way that's manageable um, and sustainable, don't they? Yeah. Or the, that would be nice if they did anyway. Yeah. Well, Somewhat unrelated to any of that, um, I would love for you to talk a little bit about what it means for you to be out in the landscape as a photographer. Yeah, I mean, oh, gosh, I mean, I guess I just I love I love being out there in those kind of particularly quieter places and just kind of seeing seeing what unfolds, be that weather or or I don't know. I had a lovely morning out in the Yorkshire Dales one time when I went went up um for sort of dawn ish um in the sort of summer so quite early and it was really really foggy and i often you know i, I don't particularly like sitting around waiting for something to happen for ages you know it was too foggy to see anything but um the it, a it was quite mild so it was actually quite pleasant sitting there and b the um you know the birds the skylarks were singing and the uh, curlew and so on and it was just magical and it you know it was just a wonderful place just to sit and eventually it did lift a bit and I got some um you know wonderful little uh, scenes to photograph as well but it was just so special being up there and I guess it, it's just that that kind of experience that that I love and just seeing how the different seasons affect places I mean I love you know springtime as everything starts to grow back um or then you know going to places like say Isle of Harris that I go to a lot and just uh, usually we go there a kind of um early autumn but sometimes we go in winter and it's bizarre in winter you can just find beaches that you know have just vanished they're just all boulders like tons and tons of sand has just got washed away and you first time I saw that I thought what on earth is going on here and now I realize it's quite common and uh you know, come back uh, a few months later and the beach has returned. But it changes mm. all the time, obviously. Uh, and then, I don't know, just seeing just seeing the, the effects that can happen when we do rather rarely, sadly, get some really wintry weather and, you know, seeing ice or frost or snow, just all, all those different different things I just love. And although I don't photograph um, wildlife um, these days, you know, I just love, love being in the woods, hearing the birds or seeing a deer, anything yeah. like that, really. 
It's just yeah, all it's, part of uh, being out there and enjoying it. Yeah, it's, um, it's I don't know, the word I would use is it, it can be very magical. And um, it, there's something about being out in nature with or without a camera, for me anyway, where it's, it's very... Um, it, stress relieving is not even cutting it close. It's more transformative in terms of like connecting with like where we came from, which is the earth, you know, and I don't know, for me, it's, it's a, it's a spiritual experience. Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely. So, uh, and it is, yeah, it is, it just, it's just lovely. You can just sort of, you know, lose yourself in the landscape, so to speak, not literally, hopefully. But, uh, <laughs> right. Um, right, 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 right. But yeah, it's 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 really special, um, and I mean we are you know although you know we've got our issues in the UK um, as so many countries do with you know places getting spoiled and you know whether we're looking after things in the right way and woodland being lost and there's there's a, a brilliant David Attenborough program on at the moment covering all of that and some of it the statistics are truly shocking but um, mm-hmm. all that said we still do have some incredibly special places and. Uh, I guess we just have to hope that that you know those c- can be protected and and you know last for future generations. Uh, what do you, it is really amazing. What do you see? What do you see our role as photographers being in in protecting or promoting these places that we love? Yeah, it's well, it's a bit of a double edged sword, isn't it? Really, because you know we we kind of go to amazing places and then you know you get worried if too many other people go there um, and. So it's it's a really it's a really really hard one. I think, you know, I, I like to sort of think we can, you know, help show how important and beautiful places are. Uh, I think it's good if we can can try and understand about the places we do photograph. And I'm something you know I try to to build up more knowledge in that area. One of the things that frustrates me is my brain has got so lazy over the years that, you know, I'll I'll, I'll you know, learn about something. I think that's fascinating, but I find it really hard to retain all of that knowledge, which is really mm. frustrating. Um, but I do think it, it means a lot more if we have some understanding of, of, of the places we photograph. And, you know, the main thing is, I guess, is to try and, you know, encourage people to respect it, but it's a tricky one. I mean, I've, I'm sort of been working. I haven't done anything on it for a while because there's a bit of a backlog with the processing, but uh, the publishing, sorry, but I've been... Um, working on uh, one of these photo view guidebooks for the Yorkshire Dales um, for ages. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I know, you know, the, when I've been writing it up, I've sort of talked about, you know, trying to be careful about this, that and the other. And, you know, not just looking for the obvious and just go for a walk and see what you find kind of thing. And just trying to encourage people to to kind of respect places and to find, you know, their own way in it, if you like. But, but you worry as well that, you know, are you kind of drawing more people to places that that can't take it? I, I, it's really hard I know. to know. I know. Um, it's, it's incredibly challenging to wrap your head around it if it's something you deeply care about. I mean, last summer I, um, I published a book uh, that's, that's actually the same photo oh, wow. behind me. Yeah. But it's a, it's a climbing and hiking guide to the mountain ranges I live near. And it's got route descriptions for every mountain in the mountain range over 13,000 feet, which there's like hundreds of. And, you know, as I was doing it, it's like, this is my favorite place on earth and I love it and I want to protect it and I want to showcase to the world how amazing it is. But at the same time, I don't want to see random people just roll up and destroy it as well. So I was 
very careful about how I talked about certain locations and like I left out just enough detail to where, you know, I feel like people that are lazy, they're probably not going to go anyway. So, yeah, you know, like you still have to work a little bit to, to figure out how to get to some of these places. But yeah, you know, it's, it's a conundrum that we face. I mean, it is, I mean, the, the, the only rational thing to do if you want to have zero impact is to never share your photos and never talk about places. But no. at the same time, then people can't, you know, get excited about places and learn about nature and connect with it and want to protect it. So it's like, ah. <laughs> it is. It's a really hard balance. And I guess we we just have to try and, and, and do the best, you know, we can. I mean, I know I was listening. I listened actually when I on my way up or to or down from Scotland, your chat with um, Joe Cornish um, a few weeks hmm. back or months, whenever it was. Um, and I know you were talking about, you know, flying to, you know, and how much you should travel to places and so on. Right. And I think, uh, but but then I was thinking about that the other day, and uh, I'm no expert, but but my understanding is that actually air travel compared to something like um, you know the cloud and data storage and all that is actually minimal um, in terms of the carbon um, effect. Uh, and I, you know, so I thought, well, maybe actually flying's okay, but we shouldn't back up any of our photos. I mean, I, you know, I don't know where do you shouldn't upload any videos. You know, I, I don't know where it's really hard to know, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's. You know, not to get too much in the weeds about that, but like if you actually look at the data from like if you zoom out and like look I look at the forest, you know, the the vast majority of carbon emissions are in agriculture and energy, right? Like yes, air travel is probably third or fourth on the list, I think, something like that. But yeah. the big ones are agriculture, which, you know, as individuals the only thing you can do is to try to think about how you can consume food that requires less energy to create. So, but like, it can all feel very, you can feel powerless. You know what I mean? Yeah. In terms no, of no, absolutely. Your individual I think, impact. <laughs> I think you just, you have to do what as much as you, you can, don't you? And hope that enough people do that it, it has an effect. Yeah. Or we just need to just stop having so many kids i don't know i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well I'm, yeah, I'm doing my bit there so. <laughs> <laughs> i've only got the one so I'm, I'm good i think that's funny yeah no it's tough um well totally shifting gears do you see yourself more as a planner or someone who just goes out and responds to what you find um i would say certainly for my personal work i'm more of a go out and see what happens um I like looking at maps and seeing if I can find some sort of something that looks interesting. Also, when I'm driving around, I'll suddenly see something. I think, oh, I wonder what's up there. Uh -huh. uh, and that can also be part of the planning process. So, I mean, we had that myself and um, Alex, who I do my Alex Hare, who I do my workshops with. Um, we were um, just checking out a few new places for our workshop in Torridon and Westeros earlier this year. And, uh, you know, we see something that looks appealing and, you know, Obviously, you can't go and look at everything, but for some of them, you think, well, let's go and have a look because that could be a good one. And invariably, it maybe it is good, but it's not group friendly or whatever. So often we don't end up using it. But there's that you just see something and you just have to go and have a look. Yes. Um, so, you know, and I guess it's part of it is seeing what you find. But part of it is is thinking about possible plans for things like workshops or say the book or so on. But but, you know, for me 
personally I just you know I enjoy kind of working with what's there and I'm certainly not not into sort of chasing things if you see what I mean I mean I've, I've there was a time when I'd sort of think oh god that looks amazing over there and you know that if you try and get over there it will have changed by the time you get there so I I tend to like to to work with what there is um, but I'm also as I think I touched on earlier I'm not generally speaking you know one to go and sit somewhere for three hours waiting for something to happen because I just feel life's too short <laughs> and I'd rather yeah. just keep going and maybe something different will happen somewhere else yeah no, I know that's funny I'm, I'm kind of the same way these days it's it's I'm very impatient and um, I've just had far too many experiences where I put all my eggs in one basket so to speak in terms of like driving to a very specific spot, hiking to a very specific place, and hoping the conditions would work exactly the way that my brain envisioned it. Yeah. And like very 97% rare. of the time it doesn't, you know what I mean? So it's like, to me, that, that approach to photography, which is kind of how I did it probably for five or six years, it's it can be incredibly demoralizing. Yeah, I mean, I think you just have to enjoy what's there. I mean, as, as I said, you know, if, if like that time, you know, when I was up, um, in that fog you know and it was just lovely being up there and there was also some nice little details to photograph so that's fine but but if you're there for you know if the only thing that's going to be there is this amazing view and it's not happening then I've just yeah <laughs> yeah just not not gonna sit there waiting all day I'm afraid yeah I, f I found myself kind of employing more of a hybrid approach like I will um, p try to put myself into interesting locations that might have potential but then being very open to what I might discover on the way or in other places nearby. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair enough. But it's yeah. that, you know, I do. I, I have quite often read of somebody saying, you know, I waited here for four hours and then this happened. And, yeah, I'm not sure I've got any, any reference point to say similar, shall we say. But, but hats off to them, I'm impressed. I've definitely got a few images like that, but, you know, it's... There's so much luck involved in that. Yeah. 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 Um, or not luck, or it could just be persistence. I mean, you have to go back like 20 times before you get the photo. Yeah. But, that is that too. To me, that's not that fun. <laughs> no. I mean, I, we're I, doing this for fun, right? Like, that's the thing. I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I firmly believe, you know, that obviously sometimes you have to do things for, for other reasons, but, but for your own photography, it's, it's got to be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe for some people that is fun. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, we're all different. So, uh, no, fa yeah, yeah. fair enough. As I say, no, I, I mean, I, I I admire people who have that much sort of um, sort of hanging on power. But, uh, you know, I'm, I, in some ways I'm very patient, but 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 it's it's I guess it's got to be on on the terms of something that's going to be worth it for me. So it's just it's, it's what's worth it for you, isn't it? What sort of um, experience and what sort of picture you're or pictures you're after. Right. It's almost like a continuum between obsessive compulsive and and attention deficit. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> like those are the two ends of the spectrum for landscape photographers and you know, I don't know, I mostly find myself on the attention deficit side. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I'm like, Oh, that looks cool. Oh, that looks cool. Like, oh I'm gonna move yeah, on. Yeah, no, I'm probably a, well, on. I don't know, yeah. I think I've probably veered between the two actually. I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah, maybe it depends on my mood too, yeah. That's funny. Well, somewhat related to what we were talking about earlier, um, you had mentioned that sometimes uh, you'll go long periods of time without taking any images. And I find that I'm kind of the same way myself. 
What do you see as some of the advantages with that approach? Um, well, I guess, I think, I suppose, in terms of looking at the advantages, I'd also have to look at why, why is that sometimes the case? Occasionally, it might just be that I've lost my mojo. I have had, I had one time, I remember a few years ago, where I was almost sort of frightened to go out photographing, because I just sort of, I don't know, I just kind of felt lost. It was really weird. I sort mm. of almost didn't dare try again. Um, mm. uh, it was really, uh, thankfully, I sort of, you know, got got it back. But um, but I think the key thing for me is that, I, you know, I don't want to just kind of go out there and be feeling like I'm rushing because I'm actually really meant to be doing something else. You know, I've got loads of planning for workshops to do or emails to send out or writing to do or whatever. I want to be able to, when I do it, kind of give it my proper time and attention and I'd far rather not do something for a few months because other things at that stage are more important and need doing than go um, out and then kind of half do it and get frustrated because I right. come back and it's haven't really made the most of anything um, and I mean by way of example we had some amazing um, conditions in the UK wintry conditions towards the end of last year I forget exactly when but I was just back from doing loads of workshops. So I was absolutely knackered and I had a lot of admin to do. And I just knew that if I tried to go out, I'd just sort of not, I'd just get that even more frustrated because I knew I wouldn't be making making the best use of it. So for me, it was actually better just to say, it, it's going to happen again one day. Just get on with what you should be doing and don't go and get even more frustrated by not doing it justice. Uh, I don't know if that's the right approach, but it, it that's how it feels to me. And I think also I'm not one of those people that can just go out all day, every day and be creative. I just, I kind of mm. get stale if I go out too much of that. Me makes too. Sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I so, kind of have to have it build up. Yeah. But equally, you know, if, if I haven't been out for a while, sometimes, you know, it'll take me a little bit of time to get back into the swing of things. Um, but not always. Same. It just depends. Yeah. Same um, way. Yeah. It depends on kind of what I find or how you know like how inspired i get by yeah. what i discover yeah no sure um but i think it's it's spending proper time and time where you know you can really enjoy it so yeah when i went up to harris last year in october and that was after i'd had a long spell of, without really photographing and uh you know if, if there's a place that's going to inspire me i've been I, you know, I know it very well and it's just always there's just always something amazing there and I did actually get some outrageous uh, conditions my first uh, afternoon. I wasn't even meant to be there, actually, funny enough. I was going to go and uh, stay at uh, Tim and Charlotte's on the way up. But then the, there was gales potentially coming. And I thought, God, I'm going to have to get over there while I still can. So I, I changed my plan. So I wasn't actually meant to be on the island. but And I was, you know, sorry not to be able to drop past. But sure. I did. When I got there, just had about half an hour or so of the most amazing conditions on this little area of beach all by myself nobody there no footprints oh, nothing and uh it was lovely and and it was just kind of seat of the pants stuff really but it was it was great uh, it wasn't what I was, I was going there kind of hoping to do some really quiet sort of drizzly just sort of nice muted conditions I wasn't sort of after kind of hail and stormy stuff but you can't complain when it when it comes <laughs> yeah so, so you talked about this period of time where, you know, you kind of lost your mojo. Were there specific steps or things that you did in order to kind of get your mojo back? Because I, no, I, no. I've heard a lot of people um, get into that state of mind where they, they, I mean, there's a particular photographer I talked to on a Discord channel I belong to, and he hasn't gone out to take photos in like 
many, many months and he's feeling like maybe I just need to quit photography and it's like, mm, oh, just give it some more time. But I'm curious, yeah. like, what, what, are, what did you do? I think I just gave it time, literally just that. And that's what, certainly what I say to other people if they ever say that. I just said, you know, when you're ready, it'll come back. Um, yeah. And we're all different, you know. And a break can be a good thing sometimes. I think it it, it will help. It'll, you just kind of rejuvenate, don't you? Yeah. Um, so I don't think I did anything specific um, that I recall. I haven't got the best memory, but uh, I think yeah, it was, was just, yeah, just giving it time and then, yeah. And I guess, yes. you know, sorry, uh, once, uh, you know, you know, I think it probably, you know, I had workshops again coming up at some point. So, I, you know, I kind of, ha- yeah, I guess then you almost have to. Maybe that makes you, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just thinking about last year, I think I went basically the beginning of May almost through July or August without even hardly taking any pictures which is kind of unheard heard of for me because I'm usually the person that's up in the mountains. But it was like my schedule was really screwed up and then I got COVID and like there was just a lot of things that happened all at once and I was, it was just like I didn't have any opportunities to go out to take pictures. But it was kind of nice when I actually got to go do it again because it was like it was just that much more exciting. I don't know. Yeah. No, absolutely. I do think – I mean I think a rest can be good. Um yeah, I mean, last summer, because we were doing work on the house and stuff, I was, yeah, it was easily that long, that, but, yeah, it doesn't, I think it's, it's just, to me, it's natural, but I know other people just have to go out there all the time, uh, so I guess it's just whatever works for you, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, know thyself, right? Yeah, I mean, okay, to be fair, there are times when I would like to go out more, and I can't, because I've got, sort of, loads of emails and stuff to do, which uh, I think people don't realize, you know, the admin side of stuff just does take up a huge amount of time. Oh, Um, you ever see those, uh, those memes where it's like, uh, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a photographer and it's got like four pictures, what people think I do. Yes. Yeah. That one. It's like (laughs) what I actually do. It's like sitting in front of a computer. (laughs) Yeah. That's basically full-time photography. You're in front of a computer. <laughs> I do enjoy time on the computer processing things, though. I do enjoy that bit of it. But uh, I know not everyone does, but I love that. Yeah, no, I'm the same. <laughs> Sometimes. I, I go through spells, like, again, last year. I did this, um, it was probably a two-week trip to Utah in late April, early May. And I didn't even touch any of the photos until probably, like, I want to say November or something. I just Gosh. was super unmotivated to to edit any of them for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Normally, I mean, it, it does depend. I have some actually that yeah, I, I do want to go out, and others that are tricky, and I just think I'll just wait. Yeah, and but sometimes if, waiting helps, you know. Yeah, I I tend to like to maybe uh, I do what I call kind of almost sort of place mark processing where I do a certain amount just so I've kind of got a reference point for how I kind of remember it and mm. so that when I come back I kind of you know I know where know what I thought it was like because <laughs> you can <laughs> that, it's amazing how you can convince yourself that you know several different versions actually yeah it was like that actually no it was like that <laughs> yeah but, no that uh, is interesting and sometimes it's like eh, that's not really what it was like but I still think this is a better edit yeah, no, well, there is that as well. I mean, um, I know J- Joe Cornish is always talking about you know the print having to have a life of its own, and and he is, of course, right. And uh, I've got a picture he helped me with for an exhibition 
um, at the gallery a few years ago. And at the time, he kind of moved it a bit further away from kind of how I remembered it than I was happy with. But coming back to it several years later, I found myself going much closer to what he had done. Um, but mm. at the time, I was kind of too still attached to what was in my head to be able to do that. Uh, yeah. And, I you know, the, it's still realistic. You know, it's not like we've done something where, you know, Joey's very subtle. So it's not like we've done something sort of outrageous or anything. But it's just you kind of you get wedded into how how it was, don't you? Yep. Yep. And I, like even like if you've t- described it in any text before, like in your Lightroom catalog, like what it was like or whatever. And and then so, yeah, you, there's all kinds of ways that you can get attached to how the photo was is looking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, kind of going down a different path um, as someone who does full time photography, I'm curious, how do you use social media? Um. Probably not desperately effectively. <laughs> um, but, uh, I uh, yeah, I um, I sort of I I tend to pretty much just use Facebook and Instagram now. I did used to use Twitter, um, but it 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 changed a lot. I found over the years, and eventually it was just doing my head in. And I used to try taking a break for a month, but then you'd end up checking because I I don't like not replying to people and things, so I'd end up getting drawn back in. So eventually, I thought, no, I'm just gonna ditch twitter because it was just and you know as a business tool it it, it certainly had its uses at one point but it, it seemed to have changed and uh particularly when all the nft stuff started that was doing my head in as well so i i just um yeah came away from that so really it, it's instagram and facebook is social media for me for now i had a brief go at vero and i've kept my account but it's just yet another platform and i just i couldn't um, you know, I mean, it's 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 a nice way of looking at photos, and there's some lovely people on there, but you can only you've only got so many hours in a day. Um, so I kind of, I guess I I use it, you know, like many people share images, and I will occasionally mention, you know, if we've got a place on a workshop or things like that. But I'm 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 very I'm very much not a sort of hard marketeer. I'm I'm tend to be um, sort of a bit backwards and coming forwards. Uh, so sort of family uh failing or strong point depending on how you like to look at it but um so but you're no, not I one know. of those people that religiously posts every day no i mean sometimes i will but then i might right. I, last summer i didn't post anything for ages because i just and i thought gosh am i gonna if i when i come back on is anyone actually gonna see anything or look anything i was quite pleasantly surprised that it did it was okay but um no i mean i am i am reasonably but i i guess i've and this goes back to you know, before my work had anything to do with photography, I, I've I've never been somebody that likes to be pushy. I kind of like people to sort of come of their own accord, if you like. And I know probably I should. I mean, I had to make myself a bit more pushy than I would normally be to get get anywhere, um, which took quite a lot of doing for me because I really, I'm really not not sort of keen on on um, promoting myself at all. But uh, I think um, you know. I still would always go for the sort of slowly, slowly, slowly approach. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's just the way I am. And I figured I'm sort of, you know, even though there's probably pros and cons, I, I, I like to sort of try and be true to myself. So, um, so yeah, I use it to, to share photos and, and mention things. And I mean, I, you know, I'm very lucky. I get some really lovely kind of feedback and interaction from people which I'm I'm always really grateful for because uh you know 
there's an awful lot of people producing great work. So, you know, if, if some people are giving you a bit of attention, then I feel, feel that's, you know, it's, it's lovely. So, yeah, no, it's funny. You're talking about that. I was just this morning, I was thinking about how much I hate having to feel like I need to promote my Patreon subscription thing for the podcast here. Yeah. Because it's like, I, I feel like I kind of have to do it almost every week or else no one will sign up. But then it's like people are probably sick and tired of me talking about it. I mean, I trust me, I wish if I we could just not ever have to self-promote, it would be amazing. But <laughs> if you don't, then like nothing happens. I mean, that's just the reality of running a business. Yeah, no, it is. Um, it is true. And uh, but I think, yeah, you know, there are ways of doing it, aren't there? And I suppose that was one of the things I was finding with Twitter. Is it was just feeling very sort of sell, sell, sell and very right. I found it was just sort of, I don't know, it just, it lost, it, it lost its kind of sense of community for me. Well, that especially been there in the, the earlier days. Especially when the NFT thing hit. It was just yeah, like that was going a bit mad. Constantly people promoting stuff and it wasn't even because they thought it was good or, you know, worth promoting. It's because they'd gotten into this hive mind where you felt, like, you felt like you had to promote all this stuff in order to stay relevant which is that is like that's a rat race that I have zero desire to do because it lacks authenticity and sucks it just sucks the life out of you yeah no I I think authenticity is such an important you know side of things certainly for me uh and you know I do my best to to try and kind of as I said to always be be true to myself I'm sure I you know make mistakes along the way but uh yeah, that's my right. aim anyway. Yeah, no, I'm glad. It's um, I I don't know how some some people do that. I mean, it's like, do you really do you really feel strongly about this, like <laughs> this digital like? Yeah, it, it, to be honest, cartoon yeah, I, character that someone created. <laughs> like, really? I can't. Yeah, I can't get the whole concept. Actually, I just cannot get my. I mean, I I, I have a fairly rudimentary understanding of what it's all about to be fair but I think I understand enough to know that I just wouldn't be able to get my head around it even if I totally understood it because it's just yeah. it just yeah I just I, yeah I don't just don't get no, it I, I totally understand it and I just can't see I just couldn't go there like it just would feel very just fake fake you know that's the word I'm that keeps yeah. me in my brain like that's just yeah. not who I am no um all right. Well, yeah, social media is a tricky one. So how are you How are you promoting yourself outside of social media? Are you using a mailing list? Like, what's your main way I do, of doing business? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of it is, you know, well, from the workshop point of view, a lot, a lot of it is we have, you know, a lot of uh, repeat clients, which is lovely. And they mm-hmm. also mention it to other people. So a lot of it is that, which is, which is wonderful. And we're really like, we just yeah. seem to... Um, always get the most lovely people. We're incredibly lucky, uh, and you know we've got lots of people you know who basically become you know friends, and you know we just have s- such good laughs. Where uh, you know on workshops usually, um, usually everyone takes the piss out of me and uh, Alex nonstop, but <laughs> that's all good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, no, it's, it's good fun. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so I do do a a, a kind of mailer very very rarely and i'm going to try and do it a bit more frequently and make it a bit bit less long so i'm never sure how how effective those are or not but but i guess people can unsubscribe if if they don't want to to know can't they um but it's a 
It's a tricky balance, right? Especially for mailing lists, because you don't you don't want to get a mailing you don't want to get an email from somebody every week or every day. Oh God, no! But more than once a year might be good. Right, <laughs> which and is then what I've been all... managing. <laughs> I, like I got one yesterday from a photographer that I I really love his photography, but it, it was like if I would have printed it, it would have been like a book. And I'm like, yeah, I don't. Like, I, just, I don't have time to read all this, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, well, that's the thing. It's, it's getting the balance. So I think I've come to the conclusion if I could maybe try and do three or four a year um, and just, just a little update about things and, and whatever, maybe try and put a couple of, you know, interesting, I don't know, bits of, like, I don't know, some gloves I got recently that I found quite good, stuff like that, you know, that's, yeah. that's helpful as well as telling them what's up with workshops or prints yeah. or whatever. I thought that might be a nice way of doing it. Um, but I've never, other than literally once, many, many years ago, I've never actually done any advertising. And I'm not convinced. I don't know how much people still do it, but I'm not convinced it works. Um, I think all the, the other stuff, just kind of spreading its, um, spreading the word and so on, it is probably is probably the way to go. Um, but I have said I'm not the best at marketing, so I maybe shouldn't be. Um sort of casting an opinion on that but uh yeah it's it's lots ideally it's just lots of things filtering out through different channels i guess is what you hope so a bit on social media a bit through word of mouth also i guess you know the odd article in magazines and so on mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. talks occasionally yeah i don't do as many talks as i used to do now but um but uh yeah i need to do a new talk and i haven't worked one out yet so uh yeah just uh just a whole mix of things, I guess. That that resonates with me. Well, speaking of workshops, I'd love to talk to you about your approach to teaching them. Specifically, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about whether or not you actually take photos yourself while you're teaching workshops. Yeah, yeah well, it's an interesting one, that, isn't it? Because I know it gets a lot of discussion. Maybe I'm, I'm maybe hearing a bit less, well, maybe not hearing, I hear a bit from, from clients um, who have opinions on various things but um you know <laughs> that from their experience of ones they've been on but sure. but but I'm not necessarily seeing as much of it you know being talked about on social media as I used to um but you know f- the approach that you know I take and um, Alex that I do my workshops with takes is you know is that you know we are very much there for the clients but there are times when we will have our our cameras out um either if you know as much as anything to be honest it's a way of of, of helping people see I guess how, how you're going about something um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I mean something I noticed the other day there was one time when I was I was it was actually I was doing a one-to-one with somebody and I was looking at something with him and I was sort of saying oh I think there might be you know something here and describing it um, but it was only when I got my camera out that I could really try and frame that up properly and actually kind of make a more um, considered judgment I guess if you like of what was was possible and I think you know to a degree you do I mean I guess everyone's different but certainly for me I think to a degree I I need to sometimes be actually looking through a camera and ideally my camera because it's the one I'm familiar with to actually be able to maybe help somebody with a you know little puzzle that they're trying to work on and just trying to see what works and it's a lot easier to do that with the gear you're familiar with and with your own camera looking through it than trying to you just need to kind of look through a viewfinder if you like to really kind of get engaged um with the possibilities um and also there you know there'll be times when perhaps uh 
you know, depends on the 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 types of photography you have with them. But if you've got a lot of um, more experienced photographers, a lot of whom who kind of you know don't want you breathing down their necks all the time, <laughs> maybe just want the occasional bit of input. You know, you might. It seems a bit daft just to sort of stand there twiddling your thumbs if if there's a picture that you'd really like to do. So, you know, my thought really is that you know if the occasion allows, I will will take some pictures. And also, people often want to see what you what what you you're making of it but but it's very much um you know as and when time allows and sometimes you know sometimes there is it doesn't allow us at all so it it it, it really it's dictated to really by by who who i'm with and 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 what what's happening out there um you know i have times when you know that just isn't not sure i mean my iphone i I will use a lot because that's just brilliant for 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 showing stuff and people get quite frustrated sometimes because they say, "Oh, but it always looks so good on your iPhone." I said, "Yeah, but that's because it's it's processing it on the fly, you know." So it's kind of it's showing you what's possible if you like, and right. a bit more than sometimes. Um, but I find it a really useful device for for just you know seeing things, and also just sometimes if it is gorgeous and you know you you, you can't use your own camera, just a quick a quick little record of of what something was like. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think, yeah, it's it's like any of these things that you just you've got to tailor it really to the people you're with and and, and what they're comfortable with. Um, but also, mm-hmm. you've got to I think also think about what's going to help you give the best of yourself to them. And and everyone will have their own way of of working and own way of, own way of dif- doing things. I mean, again, thinking back to that that uh, chat you did with Joe a few weeks back, and I was interested. I remember. Um, I think Alex Nail was talking about when they'd been out um, photographing in um, in the Highlands um, one summer, and you know he was just interested to see that you know Joe was kind of just kind of gradually working around photographing things, even though you know they were all things that he was going to end up keeping, and you know that's probably kind of you know I mean if if he's doing that, <laughs> let's face it, you know he's one of our greatest, you know. You can see some some you know everyone works differently, and it clearly was very different to the way that somebody like Alex works. But uh, you know, I think you've you've got to tailor it accordingly. Yeah, and I think there's a big benefit for students, or at least some students, can observe kind of your approach to making images and your field craft, and like even just how you use your tripod differently, or like what's your approach to like approaching a scene and what you're looking for and things like that. And, you know, I think it's it's all an opportunity to to show people kind of what might be possible. And I've had, I've been on a few workshops where people are like, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? Like, you know, like, what are you, <laughs> yeah. what, are you what are you taking a picture of? And it's like, oh, like I, I really wanted to do this thing. And they're like, oh, I would have never thought to do that. And so yeah. I, I think it's a good way of teaching, honestly. Yeah, I, I I think it is. I th- I think the reason it kind of came about was because there you know there were stories of, I think what what people call them weekend warriors or something. I forget what the expression was, and people who kind of thought it was a you know workshops were maybe a, a way to sort of go off and take some piggies and make a quick buck sort of thing. I'd like to think and hope there aren't, you know, there's not too much of that happening now. But I think there was a stage a few years ago where there was a thing where people were very conscious of of you know not wanting to obviously be seen to be doing that and, and and you know quite rightly so but i feel you know there's a there's kind of there's somewhere it's somewhere in between but you know the client obviously comes first full stop you know that's For absolutely sure. the case yeah, yeah. but it's just it's as you say it's working out how best to to communicate communicate with those and everyone will and have a different 
view and you know every client will, will want something different and yeah. you know ideally you want to try and you know work with everyone as, in the way they're most happy yeah i remember i was teaching at a coastal scene in oregon last october with about i think we had about 10 students and we had two instructors and pretty much everyone all the students were like yeah i'm good i don't need your help i'm good i'm good i'm good and i checked in with everyone and everyone was doing their own thing and they were fine i'm like okay well if you need something let me know and so what i did is i walked off maybe like i don't know 100 yards away and like found a different composition and like i came back and showed them like here's what's over there you know you yeah can no, exactly. check this out <laughs> you know so I think it's okay as long as you're having the client's needs in mind what in the process of doing it. So yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. I think, um, but you know, as I say, every, everyone will have their own way of, of teaching and the, their own way that they're comfortable doing it. But I think, you know, hopefully, you know, those of us that are you know doing it a lot have sort of reached a, a compromise that that works for everyone. I would hope. Yeah, yeah, it's a perfect way of putting it. Yeah, well. Kind of shifting gears one more time. So on your website, I noticed that you have a very nice mixture of images representing the grand scene, as well as closer and more intimate and abstract work. And I'm curious if you found, if you have a preference. Yeah, thank you. Um, I I kind of, I do and I don't, I guess. I, I kind of Part of me wants to say that my preference, generally speaking, is for the more intimate scenes. And certainly I do. I sometimes struggle with the grander scenes um, in terms of, I don't know, just they're just so grand. It's like, it's like what is this <laughs> how, photo do, how do you do of? justice yeah. to this? Um, yes. <laughs> but um, what, what, I, what I think I like, um, what, I, what I've been trying to develop more over the last few years um, is kind of almost like a combination. So I love something that could almost be an intimate scene in itself but having a bit more of the context of the wider background beyond it but it's kind of sometimes maybe it's more of a sort of backdrop context setting so it's not sort of too abstracted if you like uh, I mean I do enjoy really abstract work to a degree but I like I like some clues I like questions but I want to feel I've got a fighting chance of, of working out a few answers as well if it's like so abstract that it's just like what on earth uh -huh. I'll get frustrated eventually but I kind of like to have to think for a bit but just not too long <laughs> do you mean do you mean as a viewer uh well yeah as a viewer but I guess on that basis I, I when I'm photographing I kind of want I'm I'm I'm, a, I'm hoping to achieve that same I don't want to kind of I mean everyone's different obviously some people love being completely bamboozled but to me it's it's that balance and I guess that's what I'd ideally like to achieve you know obviously not not all the time sometimes it's it's very obvious what things are mm -hmm. um but if there is just yeah a bit of ambiguity whether that's a sort of scale or or just the way the light's falling or or something like that I do enjoy having that that element of ambiguity although sometimes you don't see it sometimes I've posted something that to me is is just obviously what it is and somebody has sort of said oh you know what is that <laughs> yeah or no sense of scale you know and and you know you don't always see that because obviously you know exactly what it is that you photographed so uh, right uh, yeah, that so said with time you don't always you know i've got things that i photographed years and years ago and i can't actually quite remember you know how how actually how big was that <laughs> right yeah no it's interesting I, i'm kind of the same way like i don't necessarily have a preference between the two or but you know for me it's like 
the intimate scenes, I think it's a lot easier to put your own stamp on it and to, yes, to, to kind of um, weave in a little bit more of who you are as a person into the image. Yeah. Whereas I feel like grand scenes tend to be a little bit more representative of what they are, which is fine. But yeah, I find it yeah, harder I think that's to. A, that's a good way to describe it. I find it harder to to make those grand scenes kind of have a bit of me in them, for lack of a better term. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I went to uh, my husband and I both went to the Drakensberg with um, Alex Nail a few years back. Uh, uh, Rob isn't a photographer, but I knew he'd love it for the walking and camping. Oh um, yeah, it was a fantastic. I mean, it's you know we've been to some lovely places, but that's got to be right up there on the the scenery front um, it looks amazing and it was it was a wonderful experience and I've got a lot of you know nice photos if you like from that but but a lot of them are I mean it is just amazing scenery but I think you know you you need to probably go there a lot or just get always get the exactly the conditions you're after over to get something that's really you know stand out I mean stand out for yourself not you know for whatever anyone else might think and I've got you know I've probably I've got one or two that I've I haven't actually still processed a load of them properly, actually, because I just sort of, well, I've just got this big backlog of stuff. I just do a few and then come back. But, uh, but you know, the I've I have got one sort of that was was sort of a grand view, but it also ha- had that kind of intimate bit within it as well, which was kind of I felt was one where I did manage to kind of get my own sort of kind of stamp on a you know a grand view, if you see what I mean. But it mm-hmm. it, it is it is hard to do. But, but, you know, a lot of it is just about the experience, isn't it? And have learned that actually it is quite, even if it isn't a, a picture that you think is going to be anything, you're going to do anything particular with it, is actually quite important to take a few of them and not to delete them either because I've got places where I know I've been and I've deleted things and then I start thinking, did I go there? And when did I go there? And was I with anyone? <laughs> I, will, I will say that uh, what differentiates grand scenes for me is they do have more potential for having for me anyway a very it, it can it can be a very very um elated experience in terms of just experiencing the raw power of nature and yeah and just 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 a tremendous experience and like something you'll never ever forget um but it also has a lot more potential for the opposite <laughs> like you know it's so condition dependent that when it doesn't work out in your favor, it's like, yeah, it's okay, you know. Yeah, but when yeah, when it is, you do, and it is nice to have a record of that because it will, you know, every time you look at it, it'll take you back there. Right. And and maybe some of the more intimate scenes ones won't in the same way. It depends. It will depend, like everything, that you can't make a total generalization. But uh, also, there's there's grand, you know, there's different types of grand scenes, as I see it. They're the ones that. Well-known ones and the ones that you maybe stumble across or that somewhere that nobody, you know, really goes, and that's two different types as well to a degree, I think, isn't it? Because oh, yeah. if nobody knows it, it's sort of easier in some ways. Uh, also, you know, for you as well, maybe because you've not got any any kind of um, reference point, have you? Yeah, I mean that's definitely my preference because it's, you know, as a photographer, you have you kind of have to unlock the puzzle. You have to kind of figure out how to arrange the elements and. And you know, figure out literally where to, what to put in the frame and how to put it in the frame, versus like those more common kind of honeypot type scenes. Like it's kind of all already pre-done for you for the most part. I mean, obviously you can put your own spin on it, but like 
usually what I've discovered is most of those locations, like the best, the best image is pretty obvious. It's pretty much done, you know, and it's hard to get something better because it's already been kind of worked out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it's just the conditions are always going to be different though, aren't they? Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I probably don't go to that many sort of really classic places, but there are certain ones that, you know, you are always going to see the appeal of and you, you couldn't not want to go there because they're just so gorgeous. But there are other ones yes. that, you know, particularly here in the UK that I just do not get why people, you know, I mean, this isn't meant in any way judgmental, but I just, they're the things that I just don't understand why somebody wants to photograph them. It's not not meant to be that I'm right and they're wrong or anything. It's just, it just doesn't appeal to me. Yeah, it just doesn't, uh, uh, it doesn't um, warm your jets up, you know? <laughs> yeah, and like, <laughs> likewise, I guess, going so, if there are too many other people, that would definitely put me off as well. I, I yeah, that's totally... the thing for me. It's, you know, like, because I... Back in 2020, I went to Mesa Arch for the first time. And, you know, just because you, you got to see it at least once. And, like, it's there's a reason why people, why that scene is so popular. I mean, it is, it, like, when the light is good and it's hitting the underside of the arch at sunrise, I mean, it is a tremendous image, tremendous experience. But yeah, it's almost completely ruined by the amount of people that are there, you know? Yeah, I, I think I'd struggle with that. I haven't sort of, I don't think I certainly not in recent times if ever um experienced that but i've seen pictures and it's like ah and i know there's um there's areas in the photon islands now aren't there that are oh, right. apparently get really really and I, I i we went there in the summer um back oh gosh it's about 20 20 years or so ago now um just you know on holiday camping or whatever and um there's a few places that i'd reckon and i'd love to go there in winter but i'm sort of i think i'd need to just pick and choose my time because i mean it, it's absolutely it's just the most wonderful scenery there but it but but i have heard of certain certain you know popular spots there that it's just crazy apparently oh yeah, i mean iceland is the same way you know it's like yeah it, it can be but then again you see i mean i used to do a few workshops for them there for wild photography holidays and i remember you know i hear people saying oh i'd never want to go to the ice beach because there's just loads of people there and I mean, actually, it is a, it is absolutely quite the most remarkable place. And also, there were some some mornings when we went, or if you just walked a bit further or went the other side of the beach, where mm -hmm. there was hardly anyone there. So that was my It's experience. not always the case, um, but it can so, be. And when it is like that, it's not nice. Yeah, I remember I went there in 2018, and I remember like that was on our list of places, and I was like, oh, I don't want to go there. It's it's gonna be full of people, and I'm not gonna like it. And it's it's just a bunch of ice on the beach. Who cares, right? Like I had all these negative thoughts, and then we went, and I was like, actually, this is really cool, and it wasn't that busy. And you could, like you said, you could walk, you know, twenty, thirty yards down the beach and have your own little scene, and it's actually a really fun experience. So you know, yeah, sometimes we, is. you know, we put these um, narratives in our brain that aren't necessarily going to translate to what your actual experience will be yeah no i think that's true and actually funny i've just remembered um, when you mentioned that uh talking about the whole ambiguity of, of you know the more intimate scenes i remember one time i i posted it was just an iphone snap but of a, a really gorgeous bit of ice from the beach and it had a bit of a kind of almost like a sort of tunnely sort of shoot in it and i, I forget how big it was but maybe I don't know, a couple of meters, maybe not, no, maybe even about a meter square or something, I forget, but it wasn't that big. But I just posted this sort of picture um, and somebody sort of obviously thought it was um, inside one of the caves. They said, oh, watch out for the snow going down your neck or whatever it's like. <laughs> 
<laughs> no problem, no danger of that. So that's that's always quite fun when you've got something that, you know, somebody will relate to it, but they may not relate to, to exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, Lizzie, uh, my last question for you is, who would you recommend for the podcast? Oh, well, um, I would... Um, well, I would probably first of all recommend my um, great friend and colleague Alex Hare, um, who's who's he's a great guy to chat to, super photographer. He does a lot of uh, a lot of commercial work as well, so he's got a sort of different spin on things. But you know, the landscape is you know where his his love is. He used to do weddings as well, actually. It's always interesting that he said actually, you know, doing weddings actually taught him a lot that he found useful when it came to working in the landscape. So. Um, he would certainly be he'd be my first person to recommend i guess okay um so yeah brilliant well this has been super fun and did you have any workshops coming up that you want people to know about um i have got what we've got coming up i've got actually a relative i've got some coming up that are busy um have got I've got one later this year with space on it, though, in the Yorkshire Dales, which is, we haven't talked that much about the Dales, but it's it's an, in amongst our um, limestone, limestone um, sort of scenery there, which is, is absolutely wonderful. A lot of the Dales is, is you know, the limestone is kind of what, what it is, if you like, that it's amazing for the, you know, limestone pavements and uh, wonderful sort of trees that grow there and plants and so on. So um, got that one coming up in, in early October. Um so yeah and have space on that so if anyone was was interested um we would love them to join us but um but yeah um back to harris again uh, which is always crazy popular um soon after that and back to greece again so so yeah looking forward to um to all of that and i'm actually off to greece um with a small group uh, in a few weeks as well so nice uh, which will be good can't right. really imagine being somewhere sort of warm at the moment, but <laughs> I know it's been really cold here too. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 quite mild here now, but it's definitely spring's only just showing itself. Yeah, it's been late here. In fact, it snowed a bunch yesterday again. It's like seriously. Oh really? On. Yeah. It's... Yeah, yeah. Now I have to say, Colorado is somewhere I would love to go one day. It does look just amazing. So, yeah, you know, you've got amazing uh, trees there, haven't you as well? Oh, it's the best. Yeah. But let's keep it quiet. No, the bit. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, Lizzie. Well, thanks again. This has been super fun. And, no, um, great. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Well, thank you to Lizzie for joining on the podcast to share your story with the community and to share your thoughts on how you approach your work. I really had fun. Before we part ways, I wanted to quickly thank our latest Patreon supporter, Brenda Mitchell. Brenda joined 220 of her peers in supporting the podcast financially while gaining access to bonus episodes. She chose to pay using the annual plan, which discounts your supported rate. Thanks, Brenda. If you would like to keep the show running like Brenda, supporting is easy. Just go to patreon.com forward slash fstop and listen or click on the link in the show notes. Thanks to everyone who has already stepped up in supporting us. I can't do the show without you. One thing, one last thing about Patreon. If you liked our conversation today with Lizzie, you can catch a whole bonus episode where we talk all about making prints, selling prints, showcasing prints, 
and a long conversation about our thoughts on limited editions versus open editions. So please support us on Patreon to catch that bonus episode. Thanks again. Okay, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week.